0: this is Amy everyone she's new here um I was gonna pray thank you father thank you well, father we just thank you for the word that you have to release to us this morning God a word of life a word of Revelation God and we just pray Holy Spirit open our hearts to receive what you have for us Lord and father we pray even right now lord just you would pour back into amy lord that which she has poured out even in the preparation lord in the prayer in the sitting with you in the receiving from you father we just pray uh, pour back in lord pour back in pour back in thank you jesus amen
1: thanks pastor brad i call him boss during the week Good morning, how are we? I've heard feedback but sometimes when I'm going to speak, people are like, oh no. We're going deep, we're going, did you just do it? You did, you just said it! I know it happens and everyone's like, oh, we've got to reach for the seatbelt. We're going somewhere, going on a journey and guess what, we're going somewhere today. Going in, we're going in deep. So um, I don't have a passion going in deep, but God has taken me to some deep places and I'm so, so grateful because there's been different keys that I've found along the way. And um, as somebody who just sometimes assesses the temperature of how things are going in our community and um, where people are at, there's a key that I feel is really important to hand over today. So today's an equipping day. Uh, Because, as you know, the the more we're growing as a church, the more we're becoming how Jesus designed the church, and that's that the body ministers to the body, not the senior pastor ministers to the 150 people in the community. Yeah, that's impossible. It's that fivefold ministry would get in around a, a community and lead a church and equip them, equip them to be teachers and evangelists and lovers of people and lovers of god the prophetic people in this community are teaching us and helping us to connect with god and helping us to pray they're teaching us how to intercede and we're all to be equipping each other and teaching each other that's the body of christ otherwise you end up empowered and believing that if you've got a friend in need you've got to bring them on a sunday because the speaker or the church people or the worship team will be the people responsible for ministering to that person i'm so sorry churches have taught you that's how it works It's like your role to bring the kingdom. Like, literally, you've been given freedom. It's bring the kingdom to whoever you're in connection with, in your home, in your workplace, bring the kingdom. So today I'm going to give some keys on how to bring more kingdom. Uh, It might be that some people here today are like, oh, that's keys for people around me because this is me. And that's okay if this is you. I want to talk today on the topic of need. I'm not sure... It's been unpacked heaps in our history even. Some of the teachings I've loved from the um, Elijah House Ministries and especially Sandra Selmer-Kirsten, who's coming here in May. We'll start advertising that soon. She's one of the the big cats of Elijah House internationally. Uh, She has an amazing series on healing trauma and she has helped us to name that unmet need is a trauma. And there's people even in this room, there's people in our community that I can tell and I'm hearing and I'm seeing and I'm interfacing with and I'm hearing that they do battle with some unmet need on the inside. Whether it's situational, adult, unmet need because of things going on, traumas going on or, you know, loneliness in the marriage or loss of someone. Whether it's unmet need as an adult or if it's unresolved, unmet need from a childhood. And I would love to empower you today to be a body of Christ who can hear need in someone else and know what to do. What do you do when someone is in need? What do you think of when you hear the word need? Is it like, needy people, just stop having all those feelings and you won't be so needy. Emotions. Is it that or is it like need? Yes, that's the thing I think of every day. I'm so needy. Do you think need is biblical? Is it Christian? Can we have need when we're Christian? Because Jesus fills all our needs. Are we naughty if we're needy? I think some of us feel shame if we have need. It's one of the fruits. This fruits of plural. Do you have need? Have you judged need? Do you hate your need? Do you idolize your need? Or are you like, I have no clue what you're even talking about. I don't feel need. My goal was to not feel need. That's why it's working so well. That's why I don't feel pain. Shut that door. No need. Where are we at when it comes to need? And I felt this this week. Uh, there was some prayer and intercession that's happened all throughout the week. And things that have happened, I was involved in a Wednesday one, which was um, for me quite... Um, Lots of things were happening and I knew that the wailing and the weeping that came out of my heart was corporate. I knew that it had to do with need. And then I, Rachel was saying things, she was saying things and she's like, keep hoping, keep hoping. And we knew it was for you guys and for the bride. Keep hoping. And then I saw an anchor come and it hit the ground at the bottom of the sea. And I was sitting on this anchor and I remembered that scripture that, you know, He is our anchor and we have hope because of him. And as I hit the bottom of the sea and I did not let go of Jesus, the anchor, Rachel said, it's not just that we're hanging on to an anchor. The anchor breaks through behind the veil and we see heaven. And I saw heaven. I saw just angels around all of us. And then I saw Father, Son and Holy Spirit surround me. And then I wailed and wailed and wailed because I knew I was crying because of the unmet need. Some people don't know how to attach to him and it's like I was breathing in because of attachment from Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They were just around me and I knew that the bride needs a deeper connection with him. The bride needs a deeper connection with him. Do you feel that connection with him? Are you walking in that connection with him? Can you see him? Is it your reality that Father, Son and Holy Spirit are all around you? I don't think it was mine till I saw that picture. And the wailing and the crying that happened, I was like, oh, we're finally attached to the source, we're attached to the source. And I knew it was a cry for the body of Christ to be more attached to the source. And then I knew I was down for preaching this Sunday, and there was nothing coming all week until yesterday. And just yesterday, with a couple of conversations and just journeying last night, it was like he really wants to talk about this topic of need. So we're going there. It's a bit of a weird topic. It might be a bit ouch for some. It might be a bit, ah, freedom for some. But just know that we've prayed and we've tucked you in and we've prayed that Jesus is our boundaries and our borders. But can we just go there this morning and actually choose to just, okay, I'll just offer my heart. I'll put it out here and let's listen to what the Lord wants to say about need. Is that all right? So, I'm not sure everyone knows, but we were designed needy. Heaven designed us needy. We were placed in earth completely helpless and with high need. And it wasn't naughty. It wasn't ungodly. As a baby, you can do literally nothing unless someone is meeting your need. And he designed that so that things would be written on our heart all the time. So we're designed to need right from conception. I'm gonna go through some of the things we're designed to need. We're designed to be wanted. Some of us as parents, you may have fallen pregnant and you have guilt because, oh, what if that baby felt that? I, I was like, I just didn't want this right now. That's okay, we can pray through that, pray that off the baby, things like that. But just know that babies are designed to be wanted. They're designed to be accepted. As male or as female, they're designed to be blessed. Oh, yes. They're designed to be celebrated. Were you celebrated? They're designed to be connected with dad and mom. It needs to be both. And if one's missing, if one has died, if one has left, if one, there's, there's, there's no money and the only way is, you know, the FIFO or there's just situations. But if there's an unmet need, it impacts the child. It doesn't just go, oh, it's understandable. Because you're designed to need it. We're not designed to manage the situation going on in the home. We're designed to receive. So we're designed to be seen. Mom and dad see you. We're designed to be heard. Were you heard as a child? Were you allowed to have a voice? Or was it you to be seen but not heard? You need to have a voice from the start. You're designed to be listened to. You're designed to be held. Held. Lots and lots. Do you know that you can't spoil a baby? As in it's impossible. It's impossible to overdo it as a baby. You're writing things on their heart over and over again, and that's what they're designed for. They're literally designed to read what the world is like. Oh, when I have need, it gets met. That's what we're supposed to learn when we're young. Oh, I have need, and it gets met. I need comfort, it gets met. I need touch, it gets met. And written on our heart is trust. Oh, mankind is good. Oh, men are good. Oh, women are good. Oh, the world is good. I want to be here. And trust is written on our heart if those needs are met. Is this making sense? Sorry if it's too deep, I warned you. It's okay, I'm giving you tools. We're designed to be touched lots appropriately. No inappropriate touch. But lots of appropriate, tender cuddling held. We're designed to be played with for joy and delight by both mom and dad. We're designed to be given attention to. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, and it's red, and it's yellow, oh, and it's blue, and that you're just listening and listening to the boring story. Oh, yeah, mm, mm, say back what they're saying. Sometimes they say 20 times a word because they're just needing you to go, yes, mm mm-hmm. And they're designed to be disciplined. Do you know that you are designed with a need to be disciplined? By that I mean boundaries not whacking and you know not abuse but boundaries if you weren't given firm boundaries and those boundaries were held to you just learn I can do whatever I want and terrible um, permission gets written on your heart you're designed to need boundaries God gives us boundaries he has a yes and he has a no and we're designed to grow up under a yes and a no from the parents, a unified yes and a no. Is this okay? We're designed to be provided for. So that's obviously there's food and there's a roof over our heads and there's somewhere to be, all the physical needs. We're designed to be trained up in the way we should go, not in the way Mum or dad wants us to go. We're to be raised in the way we should go. So you're you're pursued as a baby to know what's in you and give life to what's in you. Designed to be comforted. We need to be careful that we don't go to the extreme of, it's good for them to learn. They're learning, oh, eventually they stopped crying because they learned. No, they learned that their need doesn't get met. That's sometimes why crying stops. I'm not putting a boundary here on where that line is. Jesus leads parents, Holy Spirit tells you. But be careful of the, well, they'll cry it out and they'll learn, this is how things work. No, they'll learn that my need doesn't get met. So they do stop crying. It does work. So just be careful of, Jesus, where's the line here? Is this okay? We're designed to belong. Some of us as adults literally walk into this room even, it's like, I don't belong, and I don't. And then you're here for a year, I still don't feel like I belong. Sometimes something stuck. Was that written on your heart when you were little? I belong. You belong in this family. Whether you're a girl or whether you're a boy, there's space for you, there's room for you, your core, your center, you matter. We're designed to be um, shown and told who we are. We're designed to help to regulate our emotions. That's supposed to happen. We're designed to need someone else to help us regulate our emotions. God designed us so needy. Needy's not naughty. But it's supposed to be that needy has a time frame. I wanna get onto the difference between needy and need soon. But we're designed literally for someone to help us regulate our emotions. When we're having a tantrum and when we're yelling or when we're crying, the parents are to give words for that. Oh, we are frustrated frustrated, oh you're angry, oh and just to help ver- put, put, put words to emotions and to be trained up in those areas, regulating those emotions and guiding them. We're designed, designed to have desires and for our needs to get met. It's actually okay for a child to desire something and we do what we can as folks or a mom, a single mom or thing to make that little just gem happen. The church has trained some people in their history that just make sure the child doesn't have any needs or wants and make sure that they don't have choices. Because that's not Christian. They must make sure that it's just all about being good. Be good, be good, be good, be good but we're designed to have needs and desires and choices and for parents to give boundaries to that, give life to that and then help them to regulate their choices, help them to regulate their needs and desires rather than you mustn't have any because you must obey and be good. That can end up in religion. We want a child to learn the love of obedience to the parents, not that it's just a should of religion. Does that make sense? We want to empower them to just love obeying because they have choices and they choose to obey rather than that we cut it all out and make sure that they're just good. Babies are designed to have trust built into their hearts. They are not born trusting. Ta-da! It is the, 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 the job of whoever's raising this baby to write trust on their heart. Men are safe women are safe, needs get met, the world is safe. Some people still hate life, and it was written on them very early, life is not safe, life is not trustworthy. Some people learnt early, men are not safe, because need was not met. Is this all right? So they're designed to have trust written on their hearts. Is this a bit too deep? We're going okay, I'm gonna get on to consequences soon, but I tell you what, if pain comes because of revelation of lack, that is a gift. I'm gonna say this throughout this morning, pain is a present. It's a gift, it's a signpost that something is wrong and you follow that signpost and you get freedom that you never thought was possible. Pain is not the enemy. Some of us, it's like the thing we hate the most is emotional pain. And so we spend our lives trying to manage it and avoid it and numb it. But pain is not the enemy. Pain is not the enemy. Pain is a signpost to us getting free. We need to learn to partner with pain like Jesus did. He embraced his sufferings and pushed through. He didn't jump out of it. We are designed to have shelves built in our chest. Literally like little shelves, oh, I can handle love, oh, I can handle a compliment, oh, I can handle hugs, because it was built into me that this is what I receive, so I come into a place like this and I get given a hug and yep, get given a compliment, oh, you look beautiful today, oh, thank you, and it doesn't drop to the floor. Do you know someone who doesn't matter how much love you try and give them or compliments, drops to the floor, no shelf, like mm, smash. Oh, I just really love you and I just appreciate you being in our life. Up, smash. And they arrive the next week with, no, with, with all insecurity and not knowing that they love. There's no shelves. As a community, we get to help build those shelves back in. We're literally designed as babies to have this treasure chest called our heart. Ta-da! And it should be that through whoever raised us, filled our need, because we're born needy and it's not disgusting, filled our need and now we're adults and we have a full heart and chest and we engage with people. Hi, I'm bringing my full heart to you. Oh, you're bringing your full heart to me and we have really close connection and I can connect with the Lord. But for some, we need to know that there's some people in our community that the Lord's bringing us and there's holes in the bottom of the chest. It's all holes because that was not built in. The love was not built in. So then they can come to a community like ours and we pour this liquid gold in. We pour our love in and we're trying to be community to them. And choop, drops out the bottom. The next time we see them, try and do it again. And you know, you're just trying to give them love. Choop, 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 choop. Drops out the bottom. That's how it works. That's a called unresolved, unmet need. Unresolved, unmet need means we walk around adult life with holes in the bottom. It also means that we interact a little bit like this. Hi, hey, will you give me some love today? And then you put a teaspoon in. Oh, it's just a teaspoon. I just wanted a longer coffee and you didn't really spend a long time with me, and you didn't look at me in a way that made me just feel that I was enough. And and you're my life hub leader, and you haven't phoned me, and you haven't called me, and we start to put a demand system on people, so let me equip you people, try and listen for the demand system, the demand system is a key that there's unresolved, unmet need, and what happens with these people is they come, and they're beautiful, and this is part of my story, this is why I'm sharing it today, I'll share a bit more of my testimony, I I failed at this for a long time, and this was what I was doing, give me a teaspoon, oh, it's not enough, and then, oh, hi, um, um, I just expect that you love me in the way that I think it is, so I just need, like, I need hugs from you, and I need, you know the five love languages, like, I need this one, and I need you to ring me today, and it is expectation, and then there's expectation we put on the leadership, oh, there's Pastor Brian here's my holes, I give you my broken heart, and, and he's pouring in love, and it's like, oh, he's not seen me, he didn't look at me, he's not phoned me, he's not answering his phone, he hasn't come visited when my child was sick, and we put expectations and demand systems on people, and you can feel it when you're in relationship with this type of person, you feel that there's, there's going to be something wrong, there's going to be badness if you don't meet that need, Have you ever had a relationship with someone where you're gonna be in trouble if you did not contact and they're gonna fall apart if you didn't help them? Let me give you keys, people. It's called unresolved, unmet need. You going okay? Okay, so. It's hard for us to know if this was a thing that was missing. Why? Because it's the memory that never was. So this is called type A trauma, by the world even. It's type A trauma if we go without the things we were designed to need. You're designed to have all of that met. If it doesn't get met, it's called a trauma. The world calls it a trauma. It means it's traumatic for the child. But for some of us, we're like, I don't remember feeling trauma. I just, that was just that was just my childhood. Part of that can be called numbing out the pain or numbing out the lack and getting our hearts into a place where, oh, now I don't feel the lack. And it's called inner vows and shutdown. And then we become adults and we actually find we're people that don't have a lot of emotions and that don't feel a lot of things and things are fine, except the wife or the husband keeps saying, we've got to connect more and love more. You know, there's still something missing, but we end up... Comfortably numb. Do you remember I told you that I went for a drive through the Baldivers Hills and with, with Ali and we went down the street and we looked and there was a huge plaque on the gate of a particular house and it said, comfortably numb. Like that's their goal. That's like the definition of denial. Those of you coming to Unit 4 this weekend, over 50 students... Those of you coming, we're going to go and talk about denial. What's the goal of denial? You were there like your last (laughs) four. To not feel. That's the goal of denial, to not feel. To not feel responsible, because maybe you're messing around with your family. To not feel uh, guilt. So we have no conscience when it comes to Holy Spirit anymore because we just want to do that thing. We just want to keep smoking that thing. So we numb our guilt to not feel pain. So we can actually make decisions when it comes to unmet need to numb that thing down, but we become adults who can't really deeply connect with Jesus and each other, which is kind of his goal and his plan. It's really not Amy's idea. What is the main and first and greatest commandment? connection and connection. That's it. Connect with me, connect with each other. How, do we go, how are we going in that connection? So the fruit of unmet need can be that a person is like a vacuum cleaner. That's one of the outcomes. You can feel that there's a vortex on the inside and they're like. <gasps> meet my need and they take that to their family and they take that to their partner and they take that to their children, and they take that to their life partner, they take that to the world. Then the other extreme is people who literally feel nothing because I won't have need. Okay, so we have the vacuum cleaner and we have the comfortably numb. Those are the two extremes. When dependency needs are not met at crucial developmental stages, we often determine that we cannot rest. If no one's looking after me, we often have it written in our heart that we can't rest. Um, that we, and we enter into striving and self-effort. We enter into people, I'll, I'll do life, I'll be responsible, my needs aren't getting met, so I'll take over the world, and we end up being amazing. Another fruit is we end up with shame. shame if people battle with shame... Lots of self condemnation. It can be because the unmet need was so written on your heart, we end up shameful that we're even alive. No one was connecting and celebrating us at that level. Do you battle with shame? Shame is a product of believing foundational lies. Come on, Unit Four people. What are foundational lies? I think what's the word foundation mean? the floor level, at a core level, what do I believe about myself? And for some of us, there's some disgusting words deep down in there. I am disgusting might be one of them. I'm not worth loving. I'm ugly. My body's ugly. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a good friend. I'm not really worth knowing. I'm, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm intellectually slow. Um, I'm not able I'm not seen, I'm not valuable, if those are in our system, my golly gosh, the enemy will be on that because we're supposed to be at the front and taking ground here and sitting in our authority and moving forward and knowing that we're wonderful, but if we're wonderful wasn't written on our heart early, foundational lies are there instead, very dangerous, but that can be a fruit of unmet need. What's more fruit? Can anyone think of some? If you went without all that need, met, what's more fruit? Are we going okay? We're good? More fruit is insecurities. If we don't know that we're amazing, we walk around and we're insecure. And we're adults with insecurities. We come to social things like this and it really sparks all of that. Am I acceptable? Am I loved? Will someone talk to me? And we actually enter into relationships apologizing our way in. Oh, do you mind if I just join this conversation? I'm just so grateful that, you, that you're even giving me time. Like we're a walking apology. That can be fruit of unmet need. can battle with lust issues. Very common root issue of lust. It's not about the sexual sin. It's about the unmet need. Very common root of lust is the unmet need. And lust is I will take at your expense. It can even be in the marriage. Lust is, this is for me. Sexual intimacy with is for me. Looking at those photos is for me. It's all about me. Love is, I will give you at my expense. I will give you at my expense. If there's a taking in anything sexual, there's a lust there. There's a often an unmet need at the bottom, and that's got to be dealt with. Is this okay? Is this Is fun to talk about? Let's talk about sex, baby. I'm going to go back there in a minute. So it's good that the church talks about it. So other addictions. Those of you coming to Unit 4, over 50 of you, uh, there's a lot of false refuges. It's a whole topic we're going to go into. And usually false refuges, so addictions, are because we're trying to meet a need that is unmet and we don't know how to get God to do it. We want to. We're telling him we need him. We're sorry. We're repenting all the time but we actually can't get him to meet that thing, and on the inside of us is a drive to meet that need. Do you want to hear some of them? No, Amy? Uh, Some false refuges can be in our thoughts. Fantasy life. We live in a better world up here. Some children learn to do that as a way of coping with unmet need or other trauma. We can go into criticalness, a judgmental, judgmentalness and um, resentment. We can just live in resentfulness and that can be a response to unmet need further back. And whereas adults living like that, that's the refuge, you're going there to, that anger to meet that need. We can be really defensive. We can battle with a lot of confusion. We can have a victim mentality some of us, if we've had a lot of unmet need, walk around believing we're a victim. Because what does that do? It means we need to attract rescuers. Victims always have a rescuer and they have a bad guy. These people are to blame, my parents are to blame. I've been through this and I got abused by this. So I need a rescuer and rescuers stroke my emotions. <gasps> yes, thank you for telling me I am a victim and thank you for the comfort. I've been a rescuer. I've been a victim too. I'm very full of sin. But victim, it's like, um, it really is um, like, yeah, just emotional stroking and just getting that, ooh, ooh, thank you. You're feeding my need. But the next day we have it all again. Self-pity. Self-pity is a false refuge. And for some people it's like, I'm not leaving that thing because that's where I get my comfort. Can I, can I use the words that I use just one-on-one with people to help shock and bring light. I love truth. I love it. It's my favorite thing. Self-pity is emotional masturbation. Did you hear the religious spirit just run out the room? Choo! Literally, that's what it is, and that's why people do it. Because of the self-pity, and they go to someone with their self-pity, and it's like, or they sit in it, or they go alone, or they go into a room, or they leave their wife, or they leave their husband, or they leave their children to go and have some self-pity party for a while. It's to meet unmet need, but it's terrible and gross and it's it's m- m- emotional masturbation and it's meeting our need and not letting our partner meet that need at some level and not letting the church and not letting God meet that need it's I will meet my need it's very disconnecting and damaging how are we going you're getting some keys I need you to pass to people I'm handing over the role if you need to write some of these I can see phones are out everywhere like I literally I'm giving you this job is help people with unresolved, unmet need get free. It's gonna be great. So we can go into places of emotion that are false refuges. We can just sit in anger. It meets our need. It just strokes that pain. Same with um, helplessness, so that's the self-pity. Some people learn as a child in high dysfunction that life will never change, it's always going to be like this. Then they become adults and we're trying to get them free and do prayer ministry and whatever, they can't walk in their healing because they've got learned helplessness. They've come into agreement with the lie that life will never change. So they're coming and they're just listening to the Word and they're listening to podcasts and they're having prayer ministry and it's like, no, they're in agreement with helplessness and with hopelessness, and it's stroking something. Our behavior, reading books, I was an English teacher, I want you to read books, but I mean reading books to get away from this life and to be in another one. Magazines, newspapers, uh, withdrawal and isolation is a coping mechanism. Does someone in your family just keep cutting you off and they go away? Don't let them start putting boundaries down. You deal with that unmet need. No more disconnection. Passivity, just I'm gonna let my wife lead everything or I'm gonna just not take my place in life, I'm just gonna, just gonna sit here where it's restful. It's called denial because they don't have to feel their responsibility. But it's a coping mechanism to not get close to that unmet need, you need to lean forward in life and get, get up the front again. Blame, so that's another victim thing, there's always someone bad. If you believe you're a victim, someone's bad. The pastor is bad. My Life Hub is bad. The person who's in the car next to me taking me to Life Hub is bad. Someone is not meeting my needs somewhere. That worship leader is bad. It's too much. It's too much. Blame helps us to just stroke our needs. Terrible! There can be self-abuse or punishment. So, horrible thoughts about yourself. Horrible thoughts about yourself. Not looking after yourself physically can be a coping mechanism for unmet need. Um, Spiritually, people can get into the occult to meet that need. Sexually, people can allow themselves to be defiled because they just think that they're nothing. People can abuse others verbally, physically, emotionally, sexually, spiritually as a way to meet the need. This is big. It's important that people know what to do with need. Substance addiction. Food. That's been one of mine. Like, but it's not drugs and it's not alcohol. Yeah, you need it. It is soul food. It's actually a gift. It can be a blessing. Let's learn where the line is. Food. Chocolate. Coffee. Cigarettes. Alcohol. Cocaine. Marijuana. Other legal drugs. Prescription drugs. Adrenaline. I've journeyed with a um, a pre-Christian ex-student and I journeyed with him as a student and um, just the trauma he grew up with and then his mum sent him to get something and he came back and she was lying floating in the pool and he pulled her out and she was gone and like the trauma in his life that we've walked him through as teachers he has jumped out of a plane 200 and something times he got off the drugs but adrenaline has literally kept him alive So much unmet need, so much trauma, that you can just actually use adrenaline as an addiction. Doing things that are just brave, it can meet unmet need. Television, what would we feel in our heart if we fasted it for a month? If it wasn't on in the background, what sound would be heard in your heart? For some of us, having a sound in the background can drown out the sound of our hearts. What would happen if we fasted? Music in the background, TV in the background. Get home, turn something on. No, get home, sit down, feel something. How was today? Process today, talk to someone. I know some people of young parents, that's not what they do. They get home and they keep serving and keep doing and, um, and there's noise, That there's a demand system. That's different. Where's the noise? Are you okay with silence? Do you Sabbath? Do you Sabbath, do you have a day doing nothing? Where you're not cleaning, you're not sorting, you're not doing, you're being. And you're figuring out where am I, where am I going? And it's quiet and there's no music on and there's no TV. Not Sabbath to watch a series from morning till night. Sabbath to sit. Do you sit? Do you listen to the song of your heart? Are you aware of where you're going and what you're needing? Busyness, I've got to work, I have to, I have to. If anyone's saying have to, that's victim language. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do the dishes. You don't even have to go and get something. It's all victim language. Switch it to I choose to. I chose to work today. I'm choosing to work tonight. Put yourself back in the powerful position, not a victim of work. You're given the same amount of time as everyone in the whole world. Everyone is entrusted with the same amount of time. You don't have to do anything. You can even just be at home forever. Like literally, that's how extreme your choice can be. You don't have to do anything. I have to do something for my wife. I have to serve her and I have to do something. I have to look after the kids. You don't have to do anything. You're a powerful person. Everything you do is a choice, unless you believe you're a victim. Are we going okay? Let's get empowered. Let's get that victim mentality out of church. Um, gambling, over-exercising, shopping, online too. How many of us, it's like as soon as we're alone, it's the phone and it's the scrolling. What if we fasted scrolling? I've done times where I'm, I use Facebook, but I won't check the feed, only the notifications. Just no feed, no scrolling, no knowing. Phone down, silence. Awkwardness, oh, life is here. Fast scrolling, church activities, that can be our addiction. Serving, computer, the internet, cleaning. Cleaning can be great, cleaning can be an addiction. I can't control anything in my life, so I'm gonna control the dust. I'm gonna control those ants. I'm gonna control what's on the sink because my life is out of control that's what it is. And then obviously sexual addictions, adultery, pornography, masturbation, sexual fantasy, homosexuality, sexual defilement of your spouse, manipulating them, sexual abuse of children. All of this is, is false refuges and the root of that is unresolved, unmet need. Okay, how are we going? You're amazing. So... We can have difficulty bonding if we've had unmet need. We can live in fear. We have difficulty maintaining boundaries. We can live in rebellion. We can put a demand system on people, as I said. We can judge need. We can really battle with authority figures. And we can have no receiver. It's like we have little antennae in our little hearts. And one is a giver, ding, sending you a message of love. And one is a receiver. I can receive love. Love comes all the way in and it doesn't go boop on the floor. And some of us don't have a giver. It's all about what we can get because we're so hungry. Some of us don't have a receiver. It's all about giving. We just give to the world. We just give, give, give. And I'll come and help with that and I'll help you through your problem. And can I phone you and I'm going to text you. And they just don't have friends like besties. Like where's the receiver? This can all be um, a fruit of unmet need. So I've decided that when people are screwed up, I've decided that if we battle with unmet need, which doesn't mean we're screwed up. Let me just, I was just doing shock humour. That there's, I think, five categories that people can get stuck in if they're stuck in unresolved, unmet need. Five categories. I've been almost all of them. So I've got a little box thing on on the screen. It it might not be easy for you to read from where we are. We're going to have a big screen in the next time. But this is Amy's hypothesis, so don't sit under it if it doesn't feel right. But I believe that you can be number one, number two, number three, number four, or number five, or a mixture if you battle with unresolved, unmet need. The top line is people who are aware of their need. They live in pain. So that was me, 12 years of adult pain. From now 20 to about 32, very few days I did not live in pain. And the pain was a lot of unmet need, loss, unresolved uh, grief. And it sat there and I was definitely aware of my need. So some of you or some people in their life, are, they know they're in pain. So for people who are aware of their need and if they're not free, if they, they can be a number one. They can go, I have needs, and others will meet my needs. So they enter into life with, I'm, I'm a vacuum, and my wife will meet my needs, emotionally, sexually, everything, it's all about me. I will meet my, others will meet my needs, my husband will just look after me, everything, 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 and all is, everything's about me. It's about how I am. I get home and I talk about me and my husband just listens and my husband serves and then my husband looks after me and, then, and everything look, gets looked after and that works for me because I have needs and I've decided the way through is others will meet my need. So that's category number one. I've been a bit like that. Category number two, I believe, is I know I have needs but I will meet my needs. So this is people who live in a bit of pain but they don't want from you. They've decided, I will meet my needs. These people often have sexual addictions in their private life because it's, I will meet my needs. Usually that vow is inside the system of someone who's battling with sexual addictions. They've decided somewhere, life I won't get my needs met in this world. I will meet my needs. So they do that. So it's often people with addictions, eating. If you battle with eating, if you battle with coffee, if you battle with shopping, there's possible something in there of number two. And that's your coping mechanism or you could be number three i have needs but it doesn't matter and i'm going to meet other people's needs these are people who live in pain and live in codependent relationships these are people without a receiver so i live in pain but my whole life is spent meeting your needs and it's like a coping mechanism because i can't meet mine these are the rescuers. These are people, my life's out of control. As a coping mechanism, I'm gonna get yours in under control because I, I can't get myself free. So I'm gonna help you. And I get little boops of joy every now and because your life starts working out. So at least something's working. That's category number three. Then you can have people, I believe, who could be number four or five. And these are people who just don't know that they don't have need they had unmet need as a child, hasn't affected them, they're just doing well, they're coping great. They are unaware that there is any need in them. And they are, I don't have needs, I'll meet other people's needs. Number four and number one are great people to get married to each other. They often find each other. Number one loves to have a number four, because number four is just going to meet all their needs. So the husband is, I'll have needs and others will meet mine. And the wife is number four, I don't have needs, I'm just going to meet all yours. And it's all about the husband. It's all about his Uh, addiction. It takes over the whole family. It's all about where he's at. It's all about his shutdown. It's all about everything because the wife has no needs because she's not really valuable and it doesn't really matter. There's no boundaries. She doesn't set limits because it's all about the husband's needs. Or there's a husband, number four, who finds a number one woman and the number one is like, Your goal in life is to listen to me, make me tea, clean up around me. I get to be everything, and you get to have no needs. And it really works, and the husband's like, yeah, I'll have no needs. And they just have an amazing marriage for, like, decades. And then they come to Paradox Church. (laughs) Darn it. Because the only way to break out of this is for community to come around and go, I know you're both happy but it's because it's meeting your unmet needs, and this is actually dysfunctional. And the men start getting around that man and going, stand up, you're someone, you have needs too, and the wife's like, no, I don't know the world where it's not about me. I'm telling you these stories because they actually have happened in this community. All the other way around, and we're dealing with a, a wife who doesn't have any needs, and everything's about the husband, and it's just a mess. And we're helping, and we're like, oh my gosh. Unmet need creating a system, and then they live in that dysfunction. Or you can have number five. I don't have needs. And no one has needs. And they're sitting here going, what the hang is this sermon about? <laughs> this woman is deep and desperate and needs healing. And I want to listen to something about the book of John. Something practical. Something spiritual. Needs are spiritual, just letting you know, God designed them. People without needs are like, this church is a feeling church, and then people hug each other. So I just zone out for two seconds and receive the hug, and I'm like, wow, because it's what we do here. Then I go and I listen to someone, and they're real, and they're telling me their stuff. I don't even have stuff, there's no stuff inside me. So I'm coming and I'm going to the schools and I'm sitting in the small groups at the units and everyone's a mess and I'm like, I'm fine. Do you know what fine means? Fine means feelings inside never expressed. Or fully in need of everything. Fine means something's wrong with you. Some people can be a mixture. Number I don't ha- four can even marry a five. I don't have needs. Do you have needs? No? Cool. We don't have needs. But I'll still meet yours, so I'll find them, because I can tell you're stuck, like you're damaged. You're stuck, so I'm just going to meet your needs, but I, I don't have any. And then in intimacy is like, t- trying to take from that and then get back in. You can have a demand system sexually, it can be very, very, very damaging inside a marriage because you're not connected to any other need. And I know for men they're designed that through connection, Vasopressin is released from the brain and it's a connecting bonding chemical. It's a hormone that's released from the brain. And so the intimacy helps them bond if they're battling to bond emotionally and, you know, it's just a numb number four or number five at home, but vasopressin's released. And so they love the intimacy, but they're taking because everywhere else they're numb. Women don't have the vasopressin, they have the oxytocin, it helps with the bonding of babies, it helps with all the, the bad stuff. But it is also... Women have that hormone released through conversation. That's why men are like, I ain't feeling anything in this two-hour conversation about how you are. Uh, can we go to bed? And the woman is like, oh, we're talking for two hours. I've, had, I've just had hormones for two hours of bonding with you. It's how we're designed. But it doesn't mean women are just supposed to talk and men are just supposed to have intimacy. It's it's the woman is there to, to help that man open up to have other ways of connecting. Vasopressin is not the only way to bond, men. Oxytocin is not the only way. Jesus is like, love me, love each other and there's multiple ways to connect. Are you connected to connecting or is it streamlined because of shutdown are we okay all right thank you so i um if there's unmet need and you're stuck it's possible you're one two three four or five of those at different times um i think i bounced between one three and four with a little bit of two in there so Another option is we cannot be on that page and we can be a number six. So it's, it's an, another option is to get f- healed of the unmet need. Do you know what I've been learning? Jesus doesn't even want to meet the need of your unmet need. Whoa. Stay calm. Hang on. I'm learning Jesus. See your holes? That's you. Jesus doesn't want to meet the need because that would mean you have to just get alongside him for four hours every day the rest of your life. He wants to heal it otherwise he's still someone putting stuff in and it's coming out the bottom and he's like oh gosh I've got to do this again tomorrow angels are you ready we have got to go pour in again it's going to go by the 10 o'clock in the evening then they're going to try and take from someone else probably their spouse but are you ready okay let's go again pour 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 jesus pour. oh thank you great time with holy spirit and then you go eat some of you have a glass of red when you read the bible i know like you're mixing. You're mixing what? Jesus is like, I don't want to be this thing that you need because that's a demand system. That's using him like a slot machine. He's like, I don't want you to come to me with your demand. I want you to come to me with your pain and confess you have need and grieve out that lack, grieve out that loss and let me heal the floor, heal the foundation. Then he wants you to just have normal adult need sorry we end up still needing it's called situational pain it's called jesus saying in this life you will have trouble this life you will so i'm sorry need will continue in different circumstances but that's called adult situational need this is core unresolved unmet need and jesus is like church can you please heal the bride I'm like a slot machine all the time and it pours out the next day and then everyone's like disillusioned with Jesus because I keep going to him but I'm in pain. I keep going to Jesus and he meets my need and it doesn't last. And then we, we're disillusioned with God because we're in pain and he's not helping. It's because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to keep pouring in. He wants to heal the floor. So let's get the unmet need healed as a church. Otherwise we're going to be spending the next 20 years pouring into unmet need and it's going to be a distraction instead of doing what we're advancing the kingdom. Does this make sense? Literally, when hungry people come in, it's distracting. It takes up a lot of our time. We talk a lot in the evenings. We're on the phone. Oh, what are we going to do next? It, needy people suck up time and they don't, they don't know any other answer, so we choose to connect, but let's learn how to get them out and then... Let's get on with life. So, what's my next point? So common responses. Some of you came to Unit 4, learnt, and those of you who are coming, and and those of you who can't, we'll get there, have learnt that there's common ways we respond to pain, to unmet need, to trauma, and it's like a hook. And there's five of these hooks, and they hook around the pain. So someone goes through unmet need, mom was just never there, dad was just never there, never held, never told it, you're just amazing. And we have to cope with this because it's horrible. And we, Dook! there's five things we usually do and it caps around that thing. And then we end up as adults and we're stuck with the same pain as if it was now happening 10 years ago. And we get triggered by situations all around us. Do you know that some people have an echo you're gonna to learn to listen to the echo. It's when someone's telling you about their pain and then you're like, I can tell they're in pain and they're telling me what's going on in their marriage or their workplace, but this is, a, this is foundational pain and you can tell it's a pain from like when they are four. I was expressing pain last week, because I had some pain. I was expressing it to my senior leadership team who usually have to listen to my pain. And I said a line and I said, Amy, or oh, they were asking me why I feel a bit numb about, because I'm going away to America and I'm going, I'm going away a bit this year. And they were asking me, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, I feel numb about it because I'm not really connected here feelings. They're like, and I'm like, it's just, I feel like Amy's going away with Amy, so it doesn't matter because I'm on my own so much in life anyway. And singleness pain was in there. And Rachel spoke to me that night. She goes, that sounded, that had an echo. That was like a seven-year-old walking around, that it's just Amy has Amy. Some of us have unmet need. My mom and I have had chats about this. It's all good. We <laughs> I did not have a traumatic upbringing. I had a lot of adult trauma. But at some stages, and I know I was a very difficult child, I pulled away on the inside. But it was like Rachel's like, that because I was crying and everything, and she's like, that pain, you need to learn to listen to each other's pain when someone's expressing their pain. Someone said to me yesterday, It's just I feel such emptiness, and they're talking to me about this situation, and I went, that had an echo. That, as a child, that's had a lot of emptiness. That needs to be healed, or, you know, it's not just adult pain. So you'll learn to listen to echoes in each other. Anyway, so we have these five hooks, and these five things keep that pain alive. They're feeding it, they're putting nutrition in it, they're looking after it, and we're adults with the same child pain on the inside. What are the five hooks? Unforgiveness on your thumb. So, if we live with unforgiveness about unmet need that went on back then, the pain will remain alive. Number two, judgments. Thank you, Kev, doing amazing. You're just telling everyone my answers, that that's what I needed. Thank you. Good thing you're coming to Unit Four. So, number two, judgments. That's when we judged our parents that we didn't have need met. If that happened, and we don't usually remember this, we can end up stuck with our pain. We can judge needs. Have you judged needs? We can judge emotions. Have you judged emotions? We can judge love. It's not for me. That is a coping mechanism. We can judge intimacy. Don't like it. Don't like all this connection stuff. This thing that paradox does. We can judge connection as a coping mechanism. We can judge physical touch. We can judge women, we can judge men, we can judge authority figures, we can judge ourselves. That's when we end up being lovely people who are not actually judgmental. We're so kind to everyone and we don't live in offence, but we've internalised our judgement and the anger and the self-loathing and the shame is on ourselves. We can judge ourselves. We can judge God for even putting me here and in the family that I was in. We can judge life. Life's too painful. That's number two. What's number three? Bitter expectations. So that's when we expect life is gonna be bad. Things are gonna be bad. We can expect love to be terrible, intimacy to be bad, men to treat us wrong, women, leaders. We can have bitter expectations about how we're gonna be treated and we enter into a church family going, I'm gonna be rejected here, because it happens everywhere. And we defile everybody, because we expect rejection. And that's because we were rejected in our time of unmet need. What else can we expect? That need will be unmet. Do you know that some people actually are in a double bind? They have need and they're coming and they're connecting with people, but on the inside they have an expectation that the need will be unmet. So then they can't receive from you because they've come into agreement with that. Does that make sense? He's just being nice to me. They can have the number four hook. This one is the biggie. This one blocks intimacy coming in and things going out. It's called inner vows. They are deep determinations we make to cope and they last a lifetime. We can have vows to suppress our need. Do you know that there's no such thing as an unexpressed emotion? I'll say that again. There's no such thing as an unexpressed emotion. It'll come out sideways somewhere else. That's addictions. It's unresolved pain coming out somewhere else. That's anger explosive later and it's not appropriate but it's 23 years old. We can have choices and vows to close our heart, to shut down, to not need. Many children come into that vow that I won't need and then life's comfortable again and they enjoy being a kid. To not trust, vows to not offer our heart and then we enter into marriage and they just, we just cannot do that vows to not be here so we just vague out and we go away and we do anything to not be present vows to not connect we can make a vow in a childhood because oh, those are my parents i vow not to connect with you that's dangerous and we're adults and we can't connect vows to manage our pain and need by doing something else Another way, if you're journeying with someone and you're trying to figure out if they had unmet need as a child, ask them this question, what or who did you bond with as a child? And some people will tell you, oh, there was this particular chair, or there was this doll, or there was this neighbour, and you realise that the answer is not mum, dad, grandparent, sister. They give you Objects. A lot of children bond with objects as a coping mechanism and that is how they learn life. And then they become adults and they objectify things and they objectify women and they need items all the time and they're buying all the time. They're connected to items because that's all that they were left with. Who did you bond with? The TV? The TV was my parents, some people. It's what ends up when we analyze that. Going okay? So the fifth one is that we believe lies, and I told you there's foundational lies. So we believe in the unmet need. I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable, I'm an extra, I'm a pain. Lies about need, need is bad, Uh, no one's going to hold me, no one comforts me, no one will meet my need, I have to meet my need is then the vow. I'm on my own. In life, that's what Rachel was telling me. She's like, that is in what you're saying, and it's making your situation worse. There's something in you that believes you're on your own. Um, I need to look after my need, is what some people have learned. I need to look after my need. No, 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 no. So, I don't know if any of you know Kath Moore. They came and did a camp that we did at that place in Pinjara, Fairbridge a couple of years ago, Uh, Simon Moore is the head of Elijah House Australia in a board way and Kath Moore has now come on and she wrote something about pain and I love it. I love her. She's been such a mentor. This is what she said about pain. In my experience and in my experience of others, I've noticed we all hate pain. If we're really honest, we know that pain is all around us every day. It seems to permeate every part of our lives and we do all that we can to try to control it and minimize it. Perhaps it's about time we accept it as part of our journey instead of fearing it. Can I say that again? Perhaps it's about time we accept it as part of our journey, pain's part of our journey, instead of fearing it. Jesus promised us that in this life we would have trouble. It's a given part of living in this broken world. We cannot escape its touch on our lives, and yet we live as though we're determined to defy it. We live as if we're determined to defy it. Thankfully, God did not abandon us in this world of pain, but entered into and joined himself to our pain. Instead of gaining control over his pain, Jesus held it. Let me say that again. Instead of gaining control over his pain, Jesus held it. He accepted it he surrendered to its lessons and he went to his father for comfort with it, letting it transform him, letting pain transform him. Here is the thing, if we do not allow our pain to transform us as Jesus did, we will transmit our pain to our loved ones and our communities. If we resist doing our own work of grieving and suffering our losses, if we persist in denying, medicating and running from our pain, we will inflict our unresolved pain on our loved ones. If we do not transform our pain, we will transmit it to our communities because we have not accepted it, held it and let it transform us as Jesus did with his pain. To find joy, to find joy, we must embrace our pain and see that in it, is the gift of transformation, sanctification. It is the gift and vessel allowed by God in our lives to meet him at a whole deeper level. Hmm. It is the gift and vessel allowed by God in our lives to meet him at a whole and deeper level. If we refuse to accept the suffering, like some of us do, we miss a deeper communion with God. Whoa. If we refuse to accept the suffering, we miss a deeper communion with God because he is found in everything, especially in our places of pain. His ways are not our ways. If our God did not defy his pain but entered into it, embraced it for our sake, as his disciples, should we not enter in and embrace our own sufferings so that for the sake of our communities we become vessels of life? We hate pain, and my charge today is to open it up, embrace it, grieve the losses, this is how we so I'm gonna end this last bit on what to do ourselves or what to do when we're walking with someone, not because we were number five, but walking with someone just out of love and out of calling, what do we do to heal pain? If we have unresolved, unmet need from childhood, the community is not the answer, sorry. You need to know this if you're walking with people. If there's unresolved childhood pain, we're not the answer. We're a vehicle. We come around them. We connect with them. We tell them being messy is fine. The only answers are getting those five hooks out so that the pain stops. So having some prayer ministry. Getting those vows dealt with have shut down. So have the prayer ministry. And then guess what the other answer is? There's two. The prayer ministry and... Jesus. Jesus is the answer. You need time with him over and over again. Even if you're touching base and now the partner takes the kids and you're in the cupboard for 30 minutes and then you swap, you need to grieve your losses. If that pain doesn't, if that poison doesn't come out, you will have it for the rest of your life. And to confess that, that you're needy. I spent an entire year, sorry it took time, but I spent an entire year taking my pain to Jesus. My quiet times were, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, and that's all I said to him for a year. And I read the word over and over, and I found in the word it says, he is my fountain, he is my portion, he is my shield, he is And it was all the things he is to me and I just chewed on that and ate that and I told him he's enough and he's the answer. I didn't feel like he was the answer. I'd come out of that time and head somewhere or go to the shops and pain was still there. But I chose him and I chose him over and over again even when the pain didn't stop. And I grieved and I chose him and I grieved and I chose him and I just, it was I need you on repeat. And then eventually this thing happened where I'm like, those holes are gone and the pain wasn't there and literally it's still because it was a good 12 13 years it's still like to me sometimes I'm still like the sky's blue like life was just so bad for so long and a lot of the time of my start being here in this church it was just so bad internally but choose him and get in the word and tell him what hurts and grieve your losses the answer is being held You can't have it that the community is going to be the answer and your partner is the answer and your job is the answer and you need Jesus. It's the only way to heal unmet need is to be held by him. And sometimes you need help with that and the prayer ministry can maybe unlock blockages that you even have with God, but you need to get in touch with that and if that means you first have the prayer ministry to get rid of the inner vows to not feel and then you need to grieve that and choose him. He needs to be your everything. I didn't feel like he was my everything. I just told him he was, and then he became it. And I don't know when it happened, but it, something had built, and every day must have mattered to him. But I came through and I'm like, I feel that he's my fountain. I feel that he's my portion. And he becomes your rock. And he becomes your savior. And things are in the right place. Even the church can't be your answer. Jesus, you have to spend time in the Word to get free, to get life, to get forever. It's the the place where the manna is, it's bread. If you're hungry and starving, it's bread. You need to live in the Word and you need Jesus. That's the answer to the unmet need. It's not me. It's not texting me. It's not a a, a two hour, please can I meet with you? I will just say you need Jesus. and you need prayer ministry, I'm not the answer if it's core unmet need pain. If the pain and the unmet need is just adult pain and situational pain, like your marriage, like the child who's walked away from Jesus, like your barrenness, like your singleness, like your no dreams, I have no dreams in life, I'm just doing the day if you have adult situational pain that's different unmet need and that's where the church can really help with that you need to get healing for core unmet need but when it comes to adult unmet need we need each other that's where the church is the answer and you need to tuck in you need to tuck in you need to go to your life hub you need to connect you need to phone you need to say your needs i'm lonely can i can i be adopted by you in my singleness, I'm not coping. I need humans. Can I, and the rest of us need to extend our tables and just adopt. If you're a couple, is there a single in the ch- person in the church that you've adopted, even if they're older than you? Uh, you need to adopt them. Or if someone's a migrant from here, they don't have extended families, which means they don't have babysitters, which means like, you need to adopt families who are from overseas. We need to, ad- we need to adopt in, this, in our family. And you really are the answer to that unmet need. And I give you permission to say your need. Need is not judged here. Get in touch with it. If you've got some of those false refuges going, it could be core unmet need and we'll help you with prayer or help you, but it could be just adult need. Like, life's hard, it's full of trouble. Come and feast here, feast in the word, connect in, tell us your needs, tell us about your mental health. We'll walk it out with you. Is that okay? So adult need is normal. In this life you will have many troubles. Core unresolved need needs dealing with. And you've got keys. Tell people, get that prayer ministry and get with Jesus. Jesus is the answer. If they've got adult need, let's tuck each other in. Let's know each other's needs. Give each other permission. So the healthy number six, I'll close with this. I think I've got two slides about that. So you know, if you're not the unhealthy, number one, two, three, four, and five. When it comes to neediness, so if I find someone's needy, I think that's unresolved core pain from childhood. That's neediness. But if someone's just has need, that's probably adult. But neediness, if we're healthy, it's number six. It's I'm aware of my unmet need. That's a start. I have prayer ministry for the judgments, vows, expectancies, and lies. I'll bring my needs to Jesus. He will heal my core needs and my unmet need. But the community will help rebuild my trust and accept me in my messiness and hold me while Jesus does the work. That's the healthy. If you have neediness, take a photo of that screen and get onto that as your job. I'll put them up on our Facebook page. If you just have situational adult need and you're a number six, and it's, I'm aware of my natural and situational needs. I manage my appetite, you know, sexually. I manage myself, whether you're single or married, you manage yourself. I manage me, I manage my emotions. No one else is to blame for them. I manage my needs and I still lay my life down for others while valuing myself, even in my need. Jesus and the community will meet my situational circumstances and needs. Tuck into the community. There's answers for this, there's healing for this. We We choose to be your family. If you're lonely and we don't know it, tuck in. Tell us about it. Tell your life hub leader. Psalm one hundred and thirty-one, verse two says, "I've stilled and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me." That's the fruit of having healing from unresolved, unmet need. Is you become like a weaned child, which is a child that doesn't need to take. And doesn't need to drink because it's settled. It knows food comes, it knows love comes, it's a settled. It's not crying. It's not crying. Some of us are crying on the inside as adults. But the fruit of healed is we become like we're weaned. We're settled. We have trust in our hearts. We're going to end because of the children's ministry needing it to end as well. Pain is your friend. Pain is your friend. Follow it. Find out what hurts. Listen to it. Listen to it. We we, we can't afford for the church's job to be that we just feed people every day and then we've got to do it again the next day. can't afford for that to be what we're doing but if we could learn to help each other get those holes healed and let's start moving forward. It's a it's a distraction. Let's move forward. Let's get into the Word. Let's get into prayer. Let's get into intercession. Let's get into being family and let's move forward. I needed to talk about that because it's coming up a lot and it's keeping us a bit stuck. But I'm going to do some praying now because it would have been an ouch place for a bunch of people here. And I'm just going to ask that all of the prayer ministers stay behind just for any healing trauma prayers that... Not need to happen straight afterwards. Okay. Well, why don't we stand together? And I just want to empower you, which is what this message was to do. If you feel like you have unresolved, unmet need that has been pricked this morning, or if you have adult need that's been pricked this morning, can I encourage you to to be brave and just put your hand up and we're going to pray for you. Okay, if you didn't put your hand up, turn around and go find someone. There's people everywhere. Please move and just keep your hand up if this is you. Just keep your hand up. Can this side of the room go across to that side of the room? There's a lot on that side. We're just going to wait till everyone has someone. Richard, there's a lot on this side. We need more people down this side. Lindley, if you'll come to the front here. Go go to someone if if your your hand's not raised. Go to someone if you have the grace. It can be adult need. It can be childhood need. We don't know. There's three at the front here. Let me pray for Lynn. Thank you, Jesus. Um. Thank you. All right. I'm going to empower you. This is how you can pray for them. You can pray for them more and more. Are you okay? Thank you, Jesus. So, Jesus, we just commit these hearts to you. You're the answer and they need you, Jesus. They need you, they need you, they need you. And I'm going to pray right now, Jesus, that you would just come and you would just come like a sponge and you would just draw all the trauma, Father, of the unmet need. If it's core and foundational, I pray right now, Jesus, you would just come with your love. You would come with your fiery righteousness and come and judge that trauma in the name of Jesus. Would you just come like a sponge and draw it out right from the root level in the name of Jesus. Draw that trauma out, Father. Draw that trauma out. Draw the unmet need out. Father, I pray that as they just choose to release their pain to you even now, Even amongst people, even amongst strangers, Jesus, I pray that you would come right now and begin to draw that pain out and the poison attached to it, Jesus, would you just come? I just see his hand on tummies everywhere. Jesus, would you just come and draw the core pain out at a deep root level in the name of Jesus that was not your heart for these people, that was not your heart, that was not your plan, that was not your heart and your plan. Jesus, would you draw out that pain? In the name of Jesus, it's, it's coming up and triggering and, and living in their life. Father, would you come to adult pain? Lord, we bring the situations before you that are in this room, the lack of change, the, the barrenness, the brokenness, the singleness, the married pain, the children who've left, the, the, the just the breakdown, Father. The, we bring this adult pain to you, and you told us there would be trouble, but you said, but you will overcome it. That's what you said. So we just speak overcoming over these people right now in the name of Jesus. You said there'd be trouble, but you have overcome the world. We thank you that you're the overcomer. And we speak your overcoming over these situations right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for change. We thank you for movement. We thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for grace to do another day. We thank you for empowering grace in the name of Jesus. We thank you for empowering grace. We thank you for change. We thank you for traction in the name of Jesus. You're an overcomer, Jesus. So we're overcomers in you. We're overcomers in you. We choose to step into that and to believe, Father, that we can overcome. Father, would you help us trust each other? Would you help us trust our hearts to the community? Will you help us to trust our stories to the community? Would you build on our heart that we're accepted, that we're loved, that we belong? Every human in this room belongs. Belongs, 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 belongs. You belong, you belong. You belong in the Father, you belong in us. Family, tell them that they belong in this family. Was there a shelf for that or did it fall to the floor? You belong in this family. You're seen. You're known. Tell them who they are. Tell them who they are, people. You're seen. You're known. You belong. You're okay. You're good. You're fine. You're acceptable. You're beautiful. You're worthy. Tell them they're worthy. Father, we lift shame off each other right now in the name of Jesus. All the shame with the self-loathing and the judgment, we just lift shame off right now in Jesus' name. We lift off the shame. The shame of having need, the shame of being in need, the shame of the neediness where it's like terror even in the night, lying there with a pain of neediness. We lift off the shame of the neediness. Your neediness is not ugly, it's not disgusting. Your neediness is welcome here. Tell them their mess is welcome here. You have permission to be where you're at. Tell them you have permission to be where you're at. We love you now and we'll get you through. Tell them. We love you now and we'll get you through. We're with you. That's how you journey with people. Even if you have to tell them every day, you got this. God's got this. He's with you. You're an overcomer. Come alongside the need, people. Look for people with need and tell them who God is. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray a special blessing over everyone with need today, anyone with pain, anyone who had um, their heart connected with what I was describing. Father, we thank you for a deep blessing uh, that you provide them what they need. You provide them the prayer minister at the right time. You provide them encounters with you, Lord. We need encounters with you, even in the night. The scripture says we, we search out with our hand and we find you, Jesus. We thank you that we find you in the day. We find you in the night. Thank you for your goodness, Father. We just thank you that you've got this. We bless each other. We bless each other. The goodness of God. The goodness of God cover you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Bless you. You're an amazing community of lovers. Well done. That's how you do it. Look for people with need and don't be awkward. Hug them. Hold them. Hug them. Hold them. Touch them. You're rewriting things on your heart. You're an amazing community. Well done. Well done. It's beautiful. Thank you for just listening to that. That needed to be caught as a community key and some language for us to work with. Um, Please see the info table immediately if you need some help, if you're wanting some prayer ministry. Um, Otherwise, come to the front if you just need a bit more prayer before going. Um, If you have children, please go now. Thank you.
0: Amen. Was that great? Thank you, Amy. I just wanted to, uh, to make one point. When it comes to prayer ministry, because we are massive advocates for prayer ministry, talk about it a lot of times, um, but just, just so you know and hear this really clearly, you don't need prayer ministry and Jesus, you need Jesus, and prayer ministry is simply a facilitated encounter with Jesus. All right, that's all prayer ministry is. It's not, oh, highly trained, skillful, counselor-type people that are going to use all of their wisdom and knowledge to help you get free. It's people who, are, who can hear from Holy Spirit and help you to have an encounter with Jesus and then to walk through all the things that he wants you to walk through, the legalities of the kingdom of God. And so what Amy's saying is she's like, you, need, you, need a facil- you might need a facilitated encounter with Jesus, but then you absolutely need to take responsibility for your own time with him and encounter him. So it's those two things. And that's for us as a, as a community. That's what prayer ministry is it's just saying, hey, you know what? I think you might need a facilitated encounter with Jesus because you might be having encounters on your own, but you don't have the fullness of sight or understanding or awareness because of where we're trapped sometimes that actually can blind us to seeing clearly. So when we have prayer ministry, it's like, hey, someone's going to come in to help you to facilitate. But it's all Jesus that does the work. I mean, if you've ever sat in a prayer ministry session or had one, it's like Holy Spirit comes, He directs, He sets free. It's like, Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, so it's just that we're just, uh, just, you know, kind of aware of our language. You don't want to kind of create this, this idol of, of prayer ministry. Um, so it's just not our heart. It's not the heart of a larger house and a training, um, but just to understand that's kind of what we're um, encouraging you towards. So it's good.